1: Alrighty, this is the Celtics Lab Podcast. I'm your host for today, Cameron Temple Dubai, joined by Alex Kohlberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. Alex, how are things in Somerville?
0: Well, uh, <laughs> we narrowly avoided a potentially massive electrical fire in my kitchen, so I suppose that's good, because otherwise we would not have done that. Uh, aside from that, I'm chilling, hanging out with my cat, folding laundry, hoping that all of uh, my electrical appliances don't explode and light me and everybody in the house on fire.
1: An exciting podcast we lead. Dr. <laughs> Quinn, how are you?
2: Well, just to up to ante, uh, several months ago, I decided I was going to come back to the States to see family for the first time since the pandemic, only to have all of you guys up there be so kind as to further the spread of the Delta variant, so I'm, 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 uh, I'm up for an adventure very shortly.
1: If there was an endorsement for wearing masks... It's that we could bring Dr. Quinn back stateside. So go get vaccinated and wear your mask. All right. On that happy note, um, let's talk about the Celtics. We've got a draft this week on Thursday. We've got a bunch of trade rumors, an actual trade, and the Olympics to discuss. And we will get to all of that in a moment. But first, if you would like to win a very cool Jalen Brown t-shirt, be sure to head to our Twitter page at Celtics Lab on Twitter, where you'll find a prompt to follow and retweet a specific tweet. That is part of our Seed collaboration giveaway series where we partner with Celtics creatives to give away cool swag. Uh, so if you don't win this time around, just keep an eye and an ear out for the next one. Let's go around the dial. There's some news and bookkeeping that we want to take care of and inform you about before we jump into some juicy draft and trade uh, stuff. Team USA struggled against France uh, losing the men's basketball team, losing on the Olympic stage for the first time since 2004. Fournier played great. He led uh, all scores with 28 points. He also had four rebounds. Jason Tatum was okay. He went three of nine from the field with nine points and two blocks. I'll go to you, Justin, first. What do you think of Fournier? What do you think of Tatum? What do you think of Tino's Yose?
2: I think that we are seeing a really good remix of what we saw over the Boston Celtics last two seasons, where you can put a bunch of talented people on a roster, but it doesn't mean they're going to play well together, particularly if they don't want to. And it doesn't seem like they want to.
1: Yeah, or certainly they don't want to play the way Pop wants them to play together.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I think that uh, Greg Popovich might just be there to sip sake and look at ancient Shinto architecture. So uh, I would say, Justin, I think it seems like Hardly anybody on team USA coaching staff included really wants to be there. Uh, and I think the last thing after the pandemic season uh, being the way it is, I think a lot of these dudes are also maybe not going to be going as hard as they have been. Cause you know, think about Kevin Durant. He just came off of an absolutely brutal series against the Bucks. That must've taken an, a lot out of him. Uh, and I think um yeah. Aside from that, I also just kind of think that uh, the roster, frankly, is not all that well designed. Uh, yeah. I think they have a they have a really big problem with their center and big depth. Uh, I think Draymond and Bam are both really good players, but they're undersized in comparison to international uh, front courts. The big thing for them is the rebounding. They they have really struggled to rebound yeah. the ball, and uh, until they can address that, I think my rosy and optimistic prediction from previous pods that team USA's talent would simply carry them is looking worse by the day. So
1: Uh, I'll say a quick couple of things and we'll move on first. uh, Yeah. France ran two proper seven footers for much of that game and the U S did not have answers. Second, this isn't the bubble. Their families aren't there. So they're really just living the worst possible pandemic life. And unlike Spain or, or uh, Argentina are teams that have been together for decades. This is not necessarily a group of Americans that love each other. Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday probably are not like super chummy right now. And they have to live in this dystopian Olympic village. So I bet it's it's uh, not as exciting as perhaps other Olympics where you get to play golf and go to casinos in Barcelona. You're kind of stuck and <laughs> sleeping on cardboard beds in uh tokyo talking to no one so uh i feel for the americans but two other things that are perhaps more positive first the women's american team is so part of my french fucking good and they're really fun to root for so if you as an american listener need to get your patriotic kicks go root for the women and uh also maybe it's not that the americans are all that bad maybe the rest of the world is getting better and if you love basketball that's a good thing so uh maybe we need to stop thinking with such a deficit frame and really celebrate that international basketball is on its way up because okay. it's the 21st century. It's just going to keep getting worse. So if you're a staunch American basketball fan, buckle up. Yeah. Uh, I
0: mean, Luka Doncic just dropped 48 last yeah, night against Argentina. So I think they oh, might be onto something there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Speaking of other high profile basketball news, um, the Bucs won the NBA championship. It feels like a lifetime ago, but that was like six days ago. And good friend, friend of the podcast, Jeff DeMarco Teague yes. won the championship. Let's go. Despite <laughs> this hideous defense, always a body and six fouls. Good enough to get your ring. Let's quickly, let's just talk about the Bucks. Hey, they're here to stay. Uh, do you think they're going to repeat next year? Who are you, are you most afraid of uh, before we embark on free agency in the East? Who are you most afraid of and where do we- where do the Celtics just quickly sit in this pecking order?
0: The Bucs and the Nets are pretty clearly at the top of the Eastern Conference as yeah. things currently stand. And I think it's going to be one of those two teams coming out. Um, I think that there is a reasonable possibility that the Bucs will actually get even better this offseason. Sure. Uh, and so I I like their chances of at least making it to the Eastern Conference finals if they can stay healthy. I don't know if they will repeat because repeating is incredibly hard, even for the best teams. Um, but I think they certainly have as good a chance as anybody to make the finals. And once you get into the finals, then it's seven games for all the money. So we'll see. Um, I'm going to say no. Uh, I'm going to take the field for now, but uh, depending on how the roster shakes out, you could be looking at the bucks coming into next season as the presumptive favorite. If they make a couple of upgrades in key areas, which I think they can do.
2: I'll just chime in here. Uh, I don't think it's very likely that the Bucks repeat for the same reasons that you noted, but I will say that they really impressed me. And I think everybody with their ability to claw their way back into the series and take control of it. I don't know if that's going to be enough to beat a healthy Brooklyn team, but the key here obviously is a healthy Brooklyn team. Mm-hmm. I think it's still really too early to say whether or not we're going to have any other real competition in the East, whether we're talking from Philadelphia, making something happen with Ben Simmons, perhaps. Right. Um, And then the whole West Coast is really kind of in a state of flux. I don't really see the Lakers getting all that much better, despite their, their desire to do so. With Kawhi out, then, you know, the Clippers aren't looking like they're going to be able to be a really serious team until very late in the season, if at all. There's just a lot of other dominoes that need to fall before we can even really get a picture of what's going to be happening in the West as well. So for now, I think I would also take the field, but I do agree that the, the Bucks are in a pretty decent position.
1: Yeah. And I would say, uh, we'll talk about the off season and the drafts in just a moment, but when they trade Ben Simmons for Damian Lillard, the Sixers are going to be pretty tough. When Kyle Lowry joins the Miami Heat, they're going to be pretty tough. So the Celtics, they want to be in that upper echelon, have a lot of work to do, which we will get to in just a moment. But uh, closing out just some other news around uh, around the Celtics orbit, uh, we're approaching the one-year anniversary of the start of bubble scrimmages, so the longest year of your life, uh, all of our lives continues, and what an anniversary that is. Uh, although the bubble was a special memory in its own way, maybe Moving forward, we can start to look at it more fondly. Uh, the Celtics have hired DJ Mackley as player and a enhancement coach. He's a Bucknell product. Uh, he was with the 76ers for four seasons. JQ, can you tell us anything about him?
2: Uh, he he seems to have been a video coordinator, I believe, with the 76ers. He overlapped with Adoka uh, in his time there before Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. He seems like a Depper fellow. That's about all I got for
1: you. Cool. Uh Meanwhile, it reportedly looks like Evan Turner will not be returning as a coach uh, with the Boston Celtics, but that he probably will continue to work in and around the NBA. So uh, unfortunately it might not be in Boston, but we'll still get Evan Turner uh, sound bites here and there. Uh, Just some other news because it's fun. Isaiah Thomas dropped 37 points in the Drew league. He is all smiles all the time in all the videos that I've seen. So it looks like he's healthy. It looks like he can compete at some sort of level. I don't know if it'll ever be in the NBA again, but IT, we love you. Uh, Ray Allen uh, has been an advocate of the vaccine. Who isn't? Um, he asked rhetorically. Uh, Ray Allen, good job. Thank you for that. Uh, Bill Russell has uh, charity auction of neuro- a memorabilia. Justin, can you tell us about that?
2: So he is linking up with Hunt Auctions. Uh, I don't know too much about the auctioneers, but basically he's auctioning off his first and last championship rings in a host of other hardware to the point where, I mean, I've heard elsewhere that people have suggested this should be bought by the team and put up for display for fans and something like that needs to happen. It would be sad if this all ends up in a private collection because it's truly some some amazing stuff from his career. Game worn uh, gear, uh, all kinds Mm -hmm. of uh, like most valuable player awards, just all kinds of amazing things.
1: Well, hey, big fan of charity on this side of the pod, but uh, I agree that the tragedy of the commons, uh, if we got to look at a Bill Russell wearing, maybe it'd be a little less tragic. Uh, and then finally, just a few things. Um, Nigel Hayes, he's played for Wisconsin, he's been in the Euro League for a while. Uh, there might be mutual interest between Hayes and Boston. Uh, and if an open roster spot uh, stays open, uh, we could see Nigel Hayes getting a workout. And then Jan Madair uh, is working out with Semis' trainer in LA and playing tennis with Tony Parker. Uh, and it does look like he does indeed have permission to play in Vegas summer league. Uh, so that's it for the the kind of news, the nitty gritty. Let's talk about the things that people actually care about, uh, which is the draft trades, trade rumors, and all that jazz. So uh, we talked about it last week. If you want a more in-depth look on the Celtics and the number 45 pick, I encourage you to go look at last week's episode. Uh, but the draft is Thursday, so uh, we want to talk about perhaps draft tr- uh, trades that could happen, but do either of you have an uh, actual draft target that you want to shout out before we get into trades?
2: I've been coming on to JT Thor as a potential draft target. I don't know if he's going to be around just because his defense is so good, but if he is, that's that's definitely a name, Auburn's uh, JT Thor who actually worked out with the Celtics this week, along with Sharif Cooper, who I just do not see the Celtics being in range to take. But a big draft night trade could, you know, potentially shake that up. Not that I am expecting one.
0: Yeah, Dr. Quinn, I was going to jump in and say exactly that, that Sharif Cooper is the guy that I have my eye on. I think there is, if he falls into the early second round, I think there's going to be major pressure for the Celtics to maybe trade up and try and get him in the late 30s. Um, he, he strikes me as exactly the kind of player that I'm looking to add to this roster. Uh, but we'll see, as you said before, he, he might be gone by then, but you know, you never know
1: the player that I want them to take is a draft and stash or like a punt and trade the pick away. I don't really want them to pay, dip into any spend to the tune of even one and a half million dollars, whatever it is. I don't need it right now. Um, But Brian Kolbrowski was our guest last week. He has a lot more information than any of us on this. So if not last week's episode, go check out his work on the draft, because that will be more informative than me saying, eh, I don't really give a shit. Uh, But what I do give a shit about is the perhaps possibility of trades. Um, We did have a trade this past week. Alex and I, uh, we're out hiking slash shooting hoops slash visiting Treehouse Brewery when we got the notification. Actually, it might have been a Wendy's, whatever. Uh, that there has been a trade between the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. Jonas Valanciunas and the number 17 and 51st pick are going to do, go to New Orleans for Stephen Adams. Eric Bledsoe, the number 10 pick and the number 40 pick. Quick reaction to that trade or what it means for the trade market.
0: I think it's a pretty good trade for both teams actually um i so the pelicans are doing this trade for the main reason of clearing a lot of cap space uh by getting the bledsoe and stephen adams contracts off their books i think they've saved something like 60 million dollars over the course of the next two seasons which is substantial especially if you're trying to i don't know chase some uh marquee free agent point guards such as kyle lowry or even to retain Lonzo Ball, uh, who is going to be pretty expensive in his own right, if that's the path that they want to take. So uh, I like it from a cap setting perspective. Now it's on David Griffin to do something with that cap space. We will see what that actually looks like. Uh, And I think that um, paying to move down from 10 to 17 is a pretty reasonable price. Uh, I don't feel like that's a backbreaking. kind of trade for uh, New Orleans as far as their young core goes. And then for Memphis, um, you know, I think getting the 10th pick is what this trade is all about. They have yeah. a guy in mind. I have seen rumors to the effect that it is Josh Giddey. If Josh Giddy is there at the 10th pick, that would be a heist for Memphis. Mm-hmm. I think I think that that would work out really well for them. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas was a really good player for the Grizzlies last year. And I think, if John Morant's Instagram is to be believed, it <laughs> seems like he they had a pretty good relationship. So I think Grizzlies fans will definitely miss him. Uh, and I don't think Stephen Adams is quite the same caliber of player at this point in their careers. But uh, I do think there's something to the idea that Jonas's value probably peaked last year. I don't anticipate him getting much better. So I think this is a pretty opportunistic and smart move for the Grizzlies to take a shot on a good young player uh, in the late lotto. And for the Pelicans, I think it gives them real potential to be players on the free agent market. Cool. I
2: want to add in too that. It, it signals a willingness of, of Memphis to move on from older players on their timeline. It looks like they're really committing to youth and I would say a total rebuild because they do have a, a pretty good core already, but the, the, the team is almost certainly going to get, get younger with rumors that they are trying to move on from Eric Bledsoe very quickly. And I think they're going to be able to, but I'll talk more about that later. Oh, uh,
1: I will just say that if Memphis can execute a high pick and roll with Adams and John Morant, uh, maybe Adams does have some, uh, something left, but it was weird to pair him with Zion. I don't, I don't think anyone <laughs> thought that was a good idea except for David Griffin. So uh, there is that. Uh, which does mean that there is going to be some sort of trade market, uh, perhaps. And uh, let's get into the juicy stuff. We're going to talk about Bradley Beal. We're going to talk about actual trades that the Celtics might uh, execute. But also we have to talk about a little bit of um, gossip. Miles Turner rumors seem to persist. I don't know which one of you is up to that, but make it stop because that is bogus. The Pacers needing to shed a bunch of salary. That's not bogus, but... Does not need to be to the Celtics, or at least not uh, Miles Turner, I'll tell you that much. A um, few other things, a uh, few other whispers. Uh, well, there was news, or rumor rather, that Adams and Valenzo could be on their way to Boston, which at least halfway didn't pan out, but Alex?
0: I think this is a natural segment to introduce once again, Alex's favorite uh, new All big, right. the, yeah. uh, the bullshit rumor of the week, uh, which is the working title until I change it next week when I forget what it was. Um, but, uh, similar, it's, you know, it's silly season right now. Rumors are flying left and right. Nobody knows what's going on. The rumor that I saw today that, uh, strikes me as incredibly unlikely is Detroit trading out of the number one pick for Shea, Gilgis, Alexander, and some combination <laughs> of picks from the Oklahoma City Thunder. From a Thunder standpoint, I don't necessarily hate the idea of looking to move Shea and get value back for him at this point. Uh, from Detroit's standpoint, I don't see any scenario anywhere where they are going to give up the number one pick, having just gotten it for the first time in I mean, this is the best pick they've had since Darko Milicic in 2003. Uh, so I just don't see any world in which Detroit is moving off from number one. I think they're locked in on Cade Cunningham. I think that hasn't changed since they got the pick, and I don't foresee them trading it at all. And I think that that's the right move, because I think Cade with Killian Hayes and Isaiah Stewart is really potentially appealing. So,
1: Yeah. I think Cade paired with anyone is potentially appealing as best as I can tell, but I, I bet you're right that that is a BS rumor. Sorry for all the swears this week, but whatever. It's our podcast, not yours. Uh, Okay. One more bit of uh, just like silly rumor stuff. And then we're going to hop into the Brad Beal stuff. Unless JQ, you have something on blood. Cell, or you want to save it. Ooh, exciting. Uh, So uh, Jason Tatum posted on Instagram and, Hinted pretty strong at a a Javante Green reunion, which is cute and I suppose possible, but I don't think it's (laughs) it's the most important thing we could talk about right now, so keep an eye on that. Instead, let's hop into the Celtics lab, the portion of the programming where we get our hands dirty, and we have to talk about Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, the childhood friend of Jason Tatum, uh, the St. Louis native, the perhaps disgruntled Washington wizard, Uh, There have been reports from Fisher and Shams and others that he is considering asking uh, to be traded from Washington, although that hasn't happened yet. There's reason to think that uh, doing so before the draft would be beneficial for all parties, but the heart wants what it wants, and maybe he will decide today. Maybe he'll decide three months from now. Maybe he won't decide that he wants to leave Washington. Should he choose to leave uh, the Wizards, though? There's a lot of speculation and reason to believe that Beal would put his finger on the scale and try to get his way to Boston. So at face value, what do you both think of what we've learned about the Bradley Beal situation in the past, I don't know, week or so. And then we'll have to talk into what Boston could actually do to make that happen.
2: I think that players are getting a lot smarter with Mm -hmm. how they approach these ask outs there's a lot of parallels with the anthony davis situation but it's being handled with a much more nuanced uh set of gloves i guess you could say
1: sure and
2: that we are kind of getting a feel for the crowd reaction for the potential opposing team reactions how it might affect negotiations they're gathering a lot of really good data uh, by handling it the way that they're handling it by saying, maybe he'll ask out, you know, it's kind of similar to what Lillard tried to do, but a lot less less, uh, fraught with other issues. Uh, But I digress. Uh, I think that what we're seeing here is a testing of the waters. And to be completely honest, if Bradley Beal wants to be a Celtic, then he needs to handle it. I think if we're being real, in a very careful and circumscribed way very similar to Anthony Davis in that he, he makes it clear he's only going to be re-signing with Boston and that has not really had any you know fuel in that particular fire just yet so I'm very curious to see whether or not we we see him clam up and recommit or whether or not we see something like that or whether or not we probably give up on the idea of Bradley Beal becoming a Celtic.
0: And just to jump on that, I totally agree, at least as far as acquiring him in trade, you're not going to get Bradley Beal this offseason unless uh, he specifically asks to be traded to the Boston Celtics. Um, the Celtics, according to Woj and uh Zach Lowe have been completely unwilling to include Jalen Brown in any sort of Bradley Beal package. Mm -hmm. And rightfully so, I think that would be crazy to do that. If you are getting Bradley Beal for the Celtics, the goal is to have him on the team with Jalen and Jason, not to trade one of them to get Bradley Beal. So I think it's a possibility. Uh, I think, it does. It, it does actually kind of mean something that Jason Tatum is commenting on Bradley Beal's Instagram posts with shamrock emojis. I think there is mutual desire for those guys to play together. I think they are as, we, as we've established they're good friends. Beal, I am assuming, wants to win, but I think he is also genuinely invested in Washington, and I think. There's definitely a part of him that really wants to stay on the Wizards and have them just be built into a better team. Um, I think the big domino to fall with regard to this conversation is what are the Wizards going to do with Russell?
2: Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?
0: I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense.
2: Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's
1: Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.
0: Because if Russ gets traded in the next three days or so, then you're looking at, all right, things are changing. Maybe it's time to make that kind of a move. But again, uh, you're not getting Bradley Beal unless... He specifically demands uh, to be traded to the Celtics because Washington will hang up the phone unless Jalen Brown is in the package. And the Celtics will hang up the phone if Jalen Brown is in the package. So we'll see.
1: Beale has a $34.5 million contract for this upcoming season, which is probably a number the Celtics could get to, although it would mean losing Smart and Orford and perhaps a few other uh, names and faces we all love. Uh, and then Beal has, for the 22-23 season, a $37.3 million player option. So as soon as next offseason, he could just choose to join the Celtics outright or any other team, or things would get uh, a little more complicated. So it does sound like we're in agreement that Beal to Boston is not happening anytime soon, and if it were to cost Jalen Brown, it shouldn't happen at all. Uh, Anyone want to refute that? I don't think so. No, No, I
2: do want to push back a little bit. There have been some people pointing out that it will be incredibly hard to build a team around that trio uh, if they do sign sign him in free agency. And that is true. Uh, But I I also think that, you know, either way, adding, adding a third star is going to, and they're going to need to, and barring big leaps that we're going to see hopefully this season, It's going to require gutting a lot of the roster one way or another. You have to get rid of some contracts to make space or trade some contracts to bring back value. The question is, is it the right move to make? And I think we do all agree that this doesn't quite seem to be, dealing Jalen Brown anyway, doesn't seem to be the, the, the correct move to be making.
0: I'm usually a little more optimistic that talent will figure it out Uh, than I think a lot of people. I I tend to think that if you have three star players, uh, if they stay healthy, they will almost always bear some pretty good results. You know, if you think about the last time the Celtics had three elite wing players when Gordon Hayward was healthy for approximately half a season, mm-hmm. they looked really, really good. Right. <laughs> so I think I think they'll find a way if they do ultimately pair Beal with Jalen and Jason. But Justin, I think you're also right that it will come at the expense of a lot of other. Areas in the roster. And maybe that's just how you build a team in the modern NBA is you look for value at the bottom where you can find it and then just take your shot with star talent, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, so to speak. But um, I do think it's a little messy right now to do that this offseason. It's a much cleaner, natural, more organic Thing, I think if you wait until next offseason sign the contracts for this season that you need to and then position yourself to have an accessible max slot in the summer of 2022 when Beale is actually a free agent and gets to make that choice himself.
2: I will I will also note that and we'll talk about this more later as well. Uh, having Al Horford on the roster, you will need to burn some assets to move his contract. There, there is no real path to getting in the, the offseason after this offseason to, to a max slot without doing something like that, unless you do something else. I'll talk about that shortly. But can we also stop acting like Jason Tatum making comments on Instagram is <laughs> equivalent to demanding that the team make certain moves because it isn't the same thing. If he is making those kinds of requests, then obviously, you know, the team is going to need to take them into consideration and make the decisions they feel are best in the best interest for the club overall long-term. But let's slow down a little bit. You know, Google eyes on an Instagram post is not a trade request, is not, you know, some kind of mandate from a star player. It's definitely useful intelligence. It absolutely is. But it's also not... As, as pitched as some people seem to be making it in my
0: opinion. Yeah, I mean, shamrocks are a completely different thing on Instagram comments from Google
1: oh, Eyes, fair, though, fair. so. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my bad. What Justin is saying is, Jason Tatum, every time you do this, he has to write about it, so chill out. Also the James Harden no cap uh, video was the best use of player social in a trade rumor thing. So uh, Jason Tatum, up your game. Okay. Just kidding. Tatum, you can do whatever you want on your Instagram. How dare I tell you otherwise? Uh, so we're here to talk about fun trades and big trades and trades that will definitely never happen. And that's how we're going to end our podcast. But first we're going to just take like a minute or two and talk about what we actually think will happen at the draft in the early stages of free agency. So, uh, Justin, I'll start with you. Um, just because you have in our notes that it's probably going to be a patient, uh, off-season, what do you think that looks like?
2: Well, I think it just means showing up a forward, more on the power forward end of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. and adding uh, a ball handler slash distributor. These could be the same people, you know, it's not out of the question. I have some stuff to say about that later in terms (laughs) of (laughs) those trades. Uh, You may have stumbled onto some similar ones because these have, you know, some of them have been pretty popular, at least in terms of the targets. And I don't necessarily think that the, there's going to be too much going on. You know, Yamadar joining us or not joining us for the season, maybe yeah. one of the bigger things to happen uh, in the next month or so. There's just not too much, like maybe Tristan Thompson being traded, possibly with that second rounder being being the sweetener, if it's even necessary. There's been some debate on on that. There, there may not be very much going on. I, I really do think that the front office is going to see what they have with largely the same team that they had last season, but healthy and yeah. rested and a little bit more logically constructed around the edges.
1: It's also worth noting and we'll do off season stuff next week and as needed, but uh, assuming Fournier uh, resigns at a reasonable deal, Boston's just not going to have that much cap space to work with um, a few exceptions here and there. And there's trades that could open up a little bit of cash, but uh, it's not it's like they can just go take a swing at a big name free agent right away. Uh, Alex, I want to ask you to either talk about what happens with Marcus Smart here and in the future or uh, tease your summer of 2023 vision. Well, I will say, I
0: think <laughs> to, to go into uh, things that we think might happen this summer, I would bet decent money that Marcus Smart is going to get an extension. Uh, I think it's going to be probably for about three years, pretty comparable to his last contract extension, maybe a little bit more guaranteed money. Um, But I think that's, you you can pretty much lock that in at this point, barring a major draft night trade, which I don't really see coming. Um, I also think that you're likely to see Tristan Thompson move probably for a backup ball handler uh, of some kind, be it a forward or a point guard or just somebody who can create offense for the bench. Um, So I think both of those moves are on the table. And I think the reason that both of those moves are quite likely is because ultimately the Celtics as, as good a team as they might be this year. And I think they will surprise people and actually be better than a lot of people are thinking. um, They're not, This is not a championship contending team with the Bucks and the Nets uh, in the Eastern Conference, at least for the next two years or so. Uh, And I think that as such, the likelihood of the Celtics making a big move for a third star this offseason is pretty low. If the opportunity presents itself, go for it. But I don't see that happening. What I do think makes a lot of sense for the Celtics is to get quality veteran players on movable contracts and plan for the summer of 2022 and potentially 2023, when some very large, and I am talking about physical size, uh, Mm -hmm. NBA free agents become available. We'll see how Philadelphia approaches this offseason. That's all I'm really going to say on that subject for now. It's fairly important. But they get it right, because I don't think it's a guarantee at all that things in Philly will stay the same forever. I will leave it at that.
1: Yeah, Philly might uh, end up doing a 180 if you catch my (laughs) drift. Uh, Before we move on, so that was boring. Uh, Being pragmatic is boring, and we're just going to close out. We're going to talk about trades that definitely won't happen. Uh, But before that, a couple of plugs. Um, First and foremost, our buddy, Josh Coyne uh, just interviewed Kevin Durant. He's an uppercomer. Maybe you've heard of him over at Double Clutch UK talking about USA basketball. Uh, I would go ahead and read that. Uh, Go ahead and enter our Celtics giveaway. And we're about to dive into these trades and we're going to pick a few of them to put on a poll later on Celtics wire. So be on the lookout for Justin Celtics wire work, and you can participate in voting for my my good trade and downvoting their bad trades. Um, and Alex, uh, you play band or bass rather for the band that does our music. You have some shows coming up you wanna play? Yeah,
0: um, we have a couple of shows coming up in September and October. I will read off some dates now. Um, the big one for us is on September 24th, we are gonna be playing with our friends at once Ballroom Somerville. Uh, Love Once, great venue, had a blast there, last time we were there. So uh, check that out. That one you have to buy tickets for, just go to all of our socials and uh, do that if you wanna come. Uh, we are potentially going to be playing, uh, it, we're definitely playing Lowell in October 23rd, Venue TBD, but I will let y'all know. And uh, we've got a couple more coming up. So keep keep a lookout if you like the music that you heard at the top, we've, we've got some shows coming up in the Boston
1: area. Oh, the band's called Divine Sweater, by the way. Uh, if you don't know that already. All right, let's talk about the trades. You've all been patient enough if you're still listening at all. Uh I'm always talking to myself, anyways, it doesn't really matter. Uh okay, uh, so we have a few trades that aren't Bradley Beal, that aren't Dame Lillard, that perhaps uh you could call a blockbuster or are gonna make a splash or are something big and consequential. So uh I have a few on my list. I don't know how many you all have, but uh, I'll go first, and then we could just go around the dial, just kind of uh, sharing our silly trades. And then later off off air, we'll pick the three that you all will vote for. So first up, and again, keep in mind that what Boston can realistically do is pretty limited. I have uh, the Celtics called the Utah Jazz, which uh, that's a team that's going to have some severe financial decisions to make. And they trade... Uh, Grant Williams and or Romeo Langford and maybe a future first for Joe Ingalls, who makes I think about $12 million a year. So that's a teeny tiny blockbuster, but uh, an Australian themed one. Uh, Dr. Quinn, uh, you don't need to react You're next up next trade.
2: If we are going to talk about a trade that is technically not Bradley Beal and will drive Alex crazy. <laughs> it will involve and I don't want to do this, but this this is, you know, too many ifs to really be plausible. But there is a path here to getting to the level of cap space without burning too many assets that you would need to bring on Bradley Beal as a free agent later on down the road. And that would be dealing for a one Eric Bledsoe. You can take Al Horford. <laughs> you can take Al Horford. who Again, I want to reiterate, I do not want to trade, but you could trade him for Eric Bledsoe outright and save immediately $8.8 million in a cap hit in a season. They are definitely going to be trying to save money any way they can. And then you get the added benefit of only $3.9 million guaranteed for the season after that. Since he's in the last year of his contract, you can wave and stretch him for $1.3 million cap hit for the next three seasons. And that gets you into a much more affordable situation and we'll leave you some some draft picks to get some some win now players in the draft in the next couple of years to help fill out the roster because
0: you are going to need to do that.
1: Cool. Uh, as per tradition, we don't react On to Alex.
0: Sure. Um, so I I love big mega monster trades that get sexy star players, uh, and I'm I'm all about that. I think uh, they're the most fun trades in the NBA, and this one is not maybe the name that people are thinking of, Uh, but I do think that acquiring this player would be a phenomenal get for the Celtics and would set them up not only to contend immediately with this roster, but to contend well into the future with uh, three young, good star players all locked down. So I have Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, three first round picks and two swaps going to the war chest in Sam Presti's office uh, in exchange for Shea Gilgis Alexander and Kenrit- Kenrich Williams. I think that Shay checks all of my boxes for guys that I would love to have for the next five to six years. He's a young, long, athletic defender who can handle the ball, who can pass, who can rebound, who's pretty darn good at shooting now, and I think would be a phenomenal third guy to have with Jalen and Jason. And I think that if you plug Shay Gilgis-Alexander onto this team, first off, he's got five million left on his contract this year, which means you have some flexibility to actually go and get uh, players in this free agent class. You can definitely, for example, re-sign Evan Fournier. And uh, he will be commanding a monster extension after that, but we would then have his bird rights. And then you have potentially a roster of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Evan Fournier, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Al Horford as your starting five. I mean, there's not many better starting fives in the NBA than that. There are few, but not many. If you can fill out the, vet, the bench with a couple of quality role players, that's a really darn good basketball team.
1: No reaction. Uh, My turn. Uh, I haven't, I don't have all the, the mechanics if there's picks involved or whatnot. I think maybe there would be, although financially, this one works straight up. Um, I have a few sign and trades that I, I would need help actually making doable, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, The Clippers were exposed down low and the Celtics have one too many big men. So why don't the Celtics call uh, the Clippers and go, Bring on home uh, Mook Morris in exchange for Tristan Thompson and maybe a sweetener pick. Cause I don't care about draft picks. So uh, Marcus Morris, welcome back. We're so happy to see you. That's my trade. See ya, Tristan. Your art is so ugly. I don't know why you're always posting on that Instagram, Justin. So I have a three for, because these
2: three names have been floating around, but I think that only one of them is really realistic. And I'm just going to go over, Uh, How they could end up happening in terms of either Tristan Thompson, the Mm -hmm. Gordon Hayward traded player exception, or a combination of younger players, perhaps, and the traded player exception, the least likely, I think, would be to snag DeLon Wright from the uh, Sacramento Kings. He can play either guard positions got the size at six foot five to really help out, uh, some of the problems that the Celtics have had in recent years of being picked on by having, uh, spunky, uh, but too short point guards playing for them. Mm-hmm. And I say that he isn't particularly likely because they did give up a fair amount to get him on the roster. I think they have too many uh, point guards on the roster as it is, but maybe they don't see it that way. Maybe they see him more mm-hmm. as a shooting guard as well. Uh, We also have the possibility of a Thomas Sadoransky trade being more plausible now, uh, particularly with rumbles that Chicago is going to be going for it. And, you know, Tristan Thompson would be a a decent fit on that team if they're not bringing back Daniel Tice. So that's a possibility. Again, the, the TPE left over from Gordon Hayward could also be used. But I think the most likely outcome, and I'm not entirely certain this is a great idea, but it could be, Uh, Kyle Anderson uh, from the Memphis Mm. Grizzlies. You took my trade. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. Uh, Kyle Anderson for Romeo Langford and or Carson Edwards and or uh, draft assets, whatever they really prefer. Um, I really do feel like they're much more likely to move on from him now.
1: Nice. Uh, We were supposed to not react, but I think I know Alex's reaction. Uh, Alex, do you have a backup trade?
0: Oh man. Uh, I would have to make up a backup trade on the
1: fly. Oh, Okay. Let me, I'll go to one of mine and then you can hop in or not. Uh, So uh, I'm leaving. This is, would require, I think, a sign and trade. Uh, And I wanted to wait for those because then the Celtics become hard capped and that's just that much more complicated. But uh, when Alex and I shoot hoops, it has come up that I, I think that I am more traditional with my roster design. And so I, As much as I think Marcus Martin might actually be an okay point guard, and if he gets more touches, might calm down, I would love to see the Celtics get a uh, point guard. And as much as I think Jason Tatum could be kind of like an open-floor point-forward machine, another open-floor general might be really cool. Uh, So I would like to see the Celtics figure out how to get Deer and Fox. And I think there's some Evan Fournier sign-and-trade under-the-table sweeteners going on. Uh, to make it happen. I think it could probably happen outright with Warford and others. Um, So uh, again, none of these are going to happen, but I think De'Aaron Fox uh, on the Celtics would be pretty cool. And I have another sign and trade point guard uh, trade, uh, but I'll wait um, because I don't want to use up too much of my time. So uh, De'Aaron Fox, also welcome to the team. Love to have you. Uh, JQ, you got another one?
2: Well, like a genius, I combined all of mine that I had left.
1: That's cool. That's cool. We're not allowed to react to any of them. You might have had the best ones. That's for the the voters to decide. Alex, do you have one or do you want me to go again?
0: I think I do. Uh, And this is based off of a rumor that I saw earlier today. I think this is going to work. Let me just try the trade machine. Yep, that works. Okay. Um, Grant Williams and the 45th pick for Jarrett Culver. Minnesota Timberwolves shooting guard, who it seems like is not in their plans going forward. Uh, Culver is a long-armed defensive athlete type. Uh, The big issue with Culver is that he has had some pretty poor shooting numbers in the past, which definitely would not address some of the Celtics need for bench offense, but maybe you take a flyer on his speed and athleticism, and hopefully with the Celtics shooting coaching in place, that comes around. So Celtics get a dynamic guard forward hybrid who can slash and attack the rim.
1: Uh, fantastic. Uh, no or, or, yeah, Or not. Fantastic <laughs> that you shared. Your it thinking. could be. Yes. Uh, was it wasn't a blockbuster though, certainly not in the uh, vein of blockbusters. Uh, so uh, Real GM has a tracker, a free agency tracker where they have ranked the top free agents and they have by way of Actual credible reports indicated what teams have been tied to what players. And so the Celtics have not been tied to the player that I am about to talk about. Uh, many other teams have. Uh, the Celtics have, for what it's worth, been tied to Evan Fournier and Reggie Bullock, and that's it. Uh, but time will tell. Uh, so uh, the player that I want the Celtics to probably to definitely sign and trade for, because I don't think that this impending free agent could be signed outright, uh, although maybe, although it's not going to happen. Uh, Lonzo Ball. It's Lonzo. I think the Celtics should figure out a way to get Lonzo on the team. Whether that's a sign and trade with the Pelicans, whether that is figuring out how to get him to take a pay cut with an exception or something in between. Uh, Lonzo running the open floor. Lonzo actually playing defense at the point guard position. Lonzo kind of being switchy in the backcourt with Smart. Um, that would be really cool to me. Uh, and Justin and Alex, don't react please. Uh, either... <laughs> So either of you have, I mean, we would be so good at running a front office. Look how quick we operate. Uh, either of you have another trade for the people to stew over.
2: Michael Jordan. I'd like Michael Jordan.
1: Oh, okay. Michael B. In Jordan, prime or, though. In his prime. Michael Jeffrey, no, no, Michael Jeffrey Jordan.
2: No, no. Michael Jeffrey Jordan in his prime. Okay. That's
1: about Sign and trade or?
2: I don't know. We're, <laughs> we're, I'm, I'm just messing
1: with you. Alex, anything?
0: Uh, you know, I hear there's a big Greek guy in uh, Milwaukee.
1: It's
0: available. Um, he's got a big contract, but we can figure something out there.
1: Yeah, to be honest. Uh, okay, well, uh, that's it for this edition of What Stupid Trade can you guys come up with an hour before the podcast? Uh, in reality, the Celtics have the number 45 pick. Probably they will pick a low-impact player, but welcome to the team nonetheless. Uh, and... Probably next week we will talk to you about free free agency and the offseason, but between now and then, who knows what will happen. So uh, thanks for listening. Go ahead, win a t-shirt. If not, you can go buy a Celtics Lab t-shirt via Design Tree, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening.